else today, don't you? I'm grateful for men and women that, that have a, uh, you know, that believe that the, pre- the, the presence of God can meet when we come together in a corporate setting. Jesus said, if two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of you. We know that the omnipresence of God is always present. David said, I ascended to heaven, thou art there. Behold, I make my bed in hell, thou art there. But there is something about the manifested presence of God, where God just simply in his sovereign grace chooses to just reveal the side of his glory. Moses hid in the rock, the cleft of the rock, and asked for the Lord's glory to pass in front of him. And he was able to see it. It put such a, an impact on Moses' life that his face began to shine with the glory of God. You could walk out of here today and you could have a, a glory on you that comes from the presence of God. Now, did you know there's a promise in the Word of God in the book of 2 Corinthians that says, that speaks about those things. I'll, I'll, I can't quote it exactly, but it speaks about the glory that, that passes away has been uh, exceeded by the glory that is present right now. And that's the glory of God through the work of the Spirit of the living God that's in our lives today. Jesus does not dwell, the Spirit of God does not dwell in temples made of stone, wood, or earth. But he dwells in the fleshly tablets of the heart. Right? And, and when we worship, the Bible says that we create a habitation. The Bible says in the Psalms, he is enthroned in our praises. And that's why when you come in and you really set your heart to be a worshiper and you don't allow the things that you might struggle with in life, because re- life is tough. Everybody knows that. I mean, let's just, be, uh, I mean, this ain't no Hollywood elitist up in here, right? I mean, people have tough situations they go through. But that's why this is called the sanctuary, which means it's a safe place. It's a place where we embrace the presence of God and God lifts our spirits And then we're able to go back sometimes into those very same situations that sometimes remain unchanged, but we are changed by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I thank God that you join your faith together with the the pastors of this assembly, and we're unified, and we embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful that we didn't have a Mother's post-Mother's Day lull like we did in Easter, after Easter. I'm glad that uh, we might be a little bit down numerically, but we're not in spirit. And I would rather have six people filled with the Spirit of God than 600 who are bored and don't, have, don't really care that they're there. That's how I feel. So I got a good word for you today. I promise you that. And, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about the journey, how we got here in just a few moments as we go to a text. Now, my text and my title in a moment are going to seem like worlds apart, and you're going to say... I don't know how in the world that Pastor Brown's ignorance has been uh, on display this morning because he's here and the text is there and the title's there and it just, but you know what? Sometimes the artist brush, right, or the, or the artist pen or whatever he's using, he or she's using, you got to just give it time. It will come together. Isn't that right? So stay with me for a little while, and I'll trust the Lord's going to lead us. We're going to read about six verses of Scripture from two texts, both in the New Covenant of Hebrews chapter 13, and then just next over to 1 Peter. Once you find it, if you would, stand and honor the Word of God. You say, Pastor, I found it. It's on the screen. <laughs> we made it easy for you, didn't we? It says, I know this, somebody locked the doors. Lock the doors, 
and, and but no, stay with me on this. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. That's not the point of emphasis, even though that's a good point of emphasis. For they watch for your souls. I'll tell you what, that's, that should just sink in right there. As they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And for us, if we would just to be honest. But now we're going to turn over to Peter's epistle. It's in the same context of, the, of spiritual gifts and callings. And, uh, but there's a method to the madness today here. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1 says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. Peter referencing this context of an elder, making association with those that he's writing to, that he too is one of them. And I am a witness, he says, of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. His exhortation to the elders that he writes to is to feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, King James English, or a monetary gain, but of a ready mind, of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Isn't that good? That's, that's the design of God. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. But I want to go ahead and tag the fifth verse. It's not in, in direct context, but it's close enough that I, I believe it bears uh, tagging. It says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So those are powerful verses of Scripture, aren't they? And, uh, but, but with this, I'm going to elaborate on some things here in a moment, but I'm going to bring a title in because it's kind of Mother's Day Part 2 today. I, I, I must not have been finished last week. And so rather than preach you a two-hour sermon, I split it in half, I guess. I didn't intend to do so until I sat down to prepare my heart before the Lord on Friday morning with pen and paper in front of me and an open Bible and an open heart and mind to listen to what the Holy Spirit would, would I believe, lead me in my study and my preparation. And here's the title that I felt like that I should leave and put in your hearts today. And that is, A Mother in Israel. A Mother in Israel. And I think it will become clear to you once you kind of understand it here in just a little while. So, can we pray today? Um, just to add our agreement, the Spirit of God is present, but Jace has already prayed that that same presence and Spirit of God. It's not only, uh, again, to, to bring joy to your heart and life and to break off of yoke of, of heaviness, but it's also to prepare your heart to receive the Word of God. Many of you are putting in gardens right now. Who is? Listen, do y'all not know the things that are going to be happening this summer in America? Do you not know? I will tell you over the next three to four weeks if you'll stay with me. Do you not know some of the challenges that this nations are going to face and some of the shortages in food? You better be out there putting you in a garden. If you've got a little bit of space at all, you better be digging you something. So now, Pastor, you're going into prepping here. I'm just, so when you do prepare a garden, you typically till the bed. You don't just typically go out there and just toss hard, seed on hardened soil. So worship, in one sense, also, not only does it bring God glory, but it prepares the soil of your heart for the word to be sown. Isn't that right? 
So we're going to pray today, God. Let us have eyes to see, ears to hear. Come on, let's pray in a heart to understand. A mother in Israel, God. And I pray, though certainly to a degree, God, I'm tagging and tag-teaming with last week's message. But God, but beyond it, to take us farther and to take us deeper, God, into a particular area of study that I've enjoyed, Father, thinking and contemplating and to see your handiwork and see the wisdom of God emerge. So I bless the people. Father, bless the people. And I prayed this privately. I pray it openly today, God. Let preaching come easy in this house. Come on, somebody. Let preaching come easy. Let it have a distinct anointing on it. Let the people say it was more than a lecture. It was more than a sermon, but it was a word from God. God that burns in the spirit, Lord, and pierces the heart. I pray that in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said amen and amen. I don't know where to just kind of jump in here for a moment to... Kind of keep that context open here in the book of Hebrews. That verse of scripture, I've contemplated it many times, having now pastored for 20-something years and, you know, been in some measure what you would call leadership in the local church. And, um, you know, we, we've had some great discussions this week uh, from private discussions that I've had privately with people to kind of semi-corporate discussions that I've had with uh, some of the staff and uh, other pastors that I've had the time to dialogue. I really enjoyed it. To our Wednesday night discussion and kind of a little bit of an open forum uh, addressing a couple of things and responding. And you know what? If you can't, if if you're so bothered by somebody asking you a question, I'm not for sure that you're fit to be behind the pulpit. People need to feel like they can approach a pastor and say, Pastor, you know, I'm not being critical. I'm just, I'm questioning something. That, that, that's, that's, that's a fair place to be. I've, en- I've enjoyed because at last week as we were having the Mother's Day, we also had, we recognized uh, someone that's going through credentialing process in the Assemblies of God. And, and that, that in a, in just, it was a part of a greater conversation as of it relates to women in ministry. And, and I'm coming off of Mother's Day, and this is kind of on my heart and my mind. And I was able to just give it a lot of thought and pondering. And, and I've enjoy, I want you to know I've really enjoyed my personal study of just getting in the Word and reading and, and, and looking at different uh, positions. And, and so there's a reason why, though, I think that I feel like I want to do this today is because I'm still in this vein with uh, a mother in Israel, but also women in ministry and women in the church. And you say, Pastor, why is that? Why, why is that so heavy on your heart? It's because gender is a big issue in the culture today. And I'm going to go ahead and toss this out there even now that when the, if the Supreme Court, if what, what has been leaked is true, that the five conservative justices are going to push for Roe to be pushed back to the states, let me just tell you real quickly, the, the, what was happening in 2020 after the death of George Floyd will, will, will dim in comparison to what's coming. And women in the body of Christ are going to be forced to really know what they believe. And be really forced, it's gonna, the culture is going to demand it of you. If ever there was a moment when a line is going to get drawn... And this is not like in the days of old when it was the Confederacy and the Union. Because you can't draw, you can't draw a Mason-Dixon line and separate the two. But a line of, of, of principles is being established right in our midst. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor, 
I, I want to make sure that I am coming alongside the ladies of our assembly. Number one, to value who they are. Number two, to value the call of God in their life. To as, as, they, as whatever level of ministry that gets debated, whatever level, whatever, we'll, maybe we'll arrive conclusively or semi-conclusively, I don't know. I just thank God we're going to need we're going to need folks that can watch for your souls, right? Because it's, it's going to be a tumultuous time. So, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. You can write this one down. Write it down. It's going to be a tumultuous time, perhaps unseen in the history of the United States. Let's go a little bit farther into this, if I can, for just a moment. So when, we, when I recognized last week of, of, of uh, uh, Sister Alicia going in through the, the credentialing process of the Assemblies of God... That launched a lot of conversation among us privately and, and with others about, about the role of women in ministry. It really did. It was, and it's been fantastic conversation. And, and I've enjoyed, again, the dialogue. But it, it also caused me to go back and to study and look and to also to recognize the Assemblies of God's stated belief. Now, let me tell you, this is a controversial subject. And if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and go all the way to the last page of my notes. And I'm going to read to you my conclusion. The subject of women in ministry or leadership has been debated by scholars for hundreds of years, and we may never fully agree on the subject. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there in the front. I'm not going to necessarily arrive con fully conclusively, but at the same time, the Assemblies of God has a stated belief. How many of you have ever gone? I exhorted you on Wednesday night to go to the Assembly of God website, and there on the ag.org, you'll find beliefs, and under beliefs, you'll have position papers, and one of those position papers is women in ministry. It's a very informative article, and I encourage you to go and take the time to read this. Now, but the reality is, it's just because the Assemblies of God produces a, um, a position paper doesn't mean that every minister or every adherent or member of the Assemblies of God, uh, that, that we, we believe exactly as that position paper is written out. Obviously, what it does mean is, is that we still try to work in unity of the Spirit. Right. I can disagree with someone and still with a position that somebody takes and still be in harmony with that individual, right? Sometimes, again, you, you agree to disagree. You know, we call that marriage at times, don't we? Right? And so, but it, that's, if, that's if that's in your spirit. So the, the question, we didn't even get into this, but, but just very briefly on, on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night. And, and it, the, the, there's a controversy for these 2,000 years that's often related to women in ministry, and it hinges primarily upon two passages of Scripture. So I want to go ahead and uh, go there today so that I can kind of briefly elaborate not necessarily trying to convince one way or the other, but recognize where this creates a little bit of the tension as it relates to women in ministry. First is 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. So you can turn there with me. She's got it on the screen there with us. I'm going to go ahead and turn to it in the Bible so it might take me just a little bit longer. Verse number 34. It says, let your women keep silence in the churches. Now, some of you that have never read the Word of God in its entirety, and, and uh, you may even take offense at this today. Because if you've never read it, especially you'll understand it in its cultural context. And, but, but this is the Word of God. That's why we don't try to take away from it. We just try to understand it. Right? So let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame to, for women to speak in the church. That seems very strong on the surface level, doesn't it? Right? Be honest. It does. And so 
hold it there, and we're going to add another strong chapter, or a few verses to it. First Timothy, and I already told Jason, I said, Jason's going to take a, it's going to take the work of the Holy Spirit to pull all this together. I think we'll get there, though. We'll trust him. I trust him, don't you? And then in verse number 11, it says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. Now, many commentators don't, uh, or, or simply believe that he's not referencing here that every woman, as they give birth to a child, are suddenly saved. Right? Sherry would be saved. She would be really saved, sanctified six times over. And so, so what, but the point of reference is, is that through woman, he's referencing Eve, that through the transgression where she uh, was deceived in transgression and Adam willfully transgressed, but that in childbearing, what childbearing? That Mary, through her womb, would bring about the redeemer of mankind. Are you out there? And so in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And so these are probably some of the most controversial and contested passages of Scripture in all the Word of God. And if you read them, as many churches do, many individuals, just simply on the surface level, then it would force us to change everything that we do and everything that we know about church. I mean, from the time that when it simply says silence, silence is silence. From Deanna singing on the platform to a lady uh, saying, ma'am, uh, sir, where's the restroom? Are y'all out there today? Or, or for someone saying amen or actually the prophetic utterance that was uttered a few moments ago or was spoken in this church. So there has to be, in my personal uh, interpretation, there has to be a greater context, right? Because there's got to be something a little bit deeper. I wrote a few questions and I said they've, they've certainly been historically debated. I'm not going to attempt to answer them for you, but uh, I put these questions. Are women then excluded from public ministry? Or is there a cultural context? What about spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians 11, just two, three chapters earlier, Paul had commended or spoke of women prophesying what seemed to be in a public setting. And then can women then, another question, serve in leadership offices within the church even if they don't preach or teach? Those are some great questions. Now, in direct commentary to this passage, one of the commentaries that I've enjoyed reading over the years is Adam Clark. Adam Clark was a contemporary of John Wesley, and so his writings are about 200 years old. And, and the commentary that he provides to these particular two passages of Scripture, he, makes, uh, he, makes, uh, uh, he, he connects this to the Jewish culture of the day. Paul, being a, de a, a, a former Pharisee, writes from that perspective, and also from the synagogue's influence upon the early Christian church, that many times we think, we don't know for sure, but the early Christian church mirrored the synagogue. And the way that I'm preaching today is not the way that the synagogue uh, had teaching. Because the way that I'm teaching or preaching today, I have a beginning and I have an end, and I don't expect anybody to interrupt me. But in that, in that culture, that context, at least what Adam Clark is, is, is bringing clarification, that it was not, it was expected that the speaker 
would make a couple of points, and then if somebody agreed, they might say something to affirm it, or if they disagreed, they would immediately, they wouldn't wait till the end or anything like that, they would immediately stand up and they would have a rebuttal against the things. It was almost like a debate, if you will, or it definitely was like a question or answer. And so Adam Clark is saying, in this context, whether he's accurate or not, that in that moment there, unfortunately, according to that culture, many of the women were unlearned, and it would have also have been very culturally disrespectful for a woman to stand up in the midst of a public setting and disagree with the man that Paul is again teaching that order in that context. That's Adam Clark's brief, again, his commentary related to that. I can't say he's accurate in that or not, but I can say it makes sense to a certain degree. There's a little bit, I think, that I can say there. But the reality is that some take extreme positions or exact literal interpretations without considering those cultural contexts and oftentimes, sometimes, unfortunately, very negative uh, denominations. And there are some denominations that can be negative very quickly. And churches, right? They, and they label churches or ministries that recognize women in ministries as heretical. And you know what? I can't go there. You know, I spent some time thinking on this and praying and going out and, and walking alone. And I thought about this and I said, God, I, I said, I can't call somebody heretical who is really searching for the truth. Who's saying, God, I want what's best. I'm seeking for the knowledge of the revealed word of God. And, I, and if my heart is really pure, I don't believe God's going to lead me astray. Right? So let me reaffirm to you today a couple of things. Now, I want to say this. I told you last week, if you didn't listen to my, uh, my Mother's Day message, it was entitled, Ladies, What You Need Is a Man in Your Life. The ladies have forgotten that message where I actually brought clarification that I wasn't speaking about your husband, right, or your uncle, or your sons, but I was speaking about the man, Christ Jesus, correct? Well, then, ladies, why did I not get a better amen right then? Because you didn't know if I wasn't going to twist that a little bit on you, catch you in your words. So, But so, with this, though, I want to say this. I want to bring some clarity. I also said, and I openly acknowledge that to a degree, and in certain parts of today's culture, I'm a sexist. And I owned up to that, and, and I'll say that. I do believe in male leadership. I do believe that. And, and, and certainly in, in certain spheres. In the home, I believe that. In the church, I believe. And also in certain aspects, but certainly not all aspects of society. I do, be, I do believe you have to carefully weigh Paul's exhortation, Adam was first formed and then Eve. And Paul consistently speaks of the husband as the head of the wife, not just in that passage. And Peter, the apostle, also said the woman is the weaker vessel. And as a result, a man should honor her. If you missed my message last week, you'll, you'll recognize that. When, I, when Peter said honor her, that I, I told our ladies, I said, you don't have to elevate yourself physically or even socially in any capacity to a man to be esteemed in the eyes of God or what should be in the eyes of the men in your life. They should honor you for who you are based upon the conviction of the Word of God. I believe that a man's responsibility includes protection, provision, teaching, training children in the way that they should go. I've challenged dads for my 20-some-odd years of pastoral ministry. It should not be the mama that's having to go in there and teach their children the Word of God. She's been working all day doing 16 different things, and many of them are, many women are, are, are employed in the workforce and employed when they get home. I've, I've wondered how the men can come home and think, well, I worked all day, and I'm going to sit in my lazy chair all day. Well, she worked all day too, right? And then she goes to her second job, which is at home. 
And so in, in that context, I, be, I, I believe that we should honor women and, we, and with agape love towards our wives and honoring the widows and the mothers and the family. I told you last week, Paul told us ministers, he said, the older women are our mothers and the younger women are our sisters in all purity. And so as a pastor, I believe it is my responsibility to watch for the souls, but also to allow others to help me watch for people's souls. Right, Because I'm telling you that what's going to happen in the days ahead, it's going to reach beyond just the, the hands of just the pastor. We've got to have others that come alongside. Because it's going to be a climatic moment. And, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and reiterate that. If you'll come back the next two or three weeks, you're going to uh, discover where I'm going to take you. Where I believe that we have to be more vigilant and more watchful and more convinced of what we believe than in ever before. The Christian church, let me tell you what this is. That's a cross. I'm telling you, they're going to turn it and mark it as a bullseye. And, and, and it's coming, there, there's going to, the world is going to start narrowing its focus on, on the, 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 the impact that the church has on society. So let's go a little farther. So with this, as a pastor, I also want to not only watch for the souls of women, but I also want to empower women to whatever degree has been committed unto me as a pastor, as well for ministry purposes, to watch for the souls, especially of other women. Because it's going to be very necessary. So let me take for a moment of time. I enjoyed the study. And Jason, I, I'm so proud of Jason of having a resident theologian on our church staff. And if you weren't here with us Wednesday night, and those, those complicated theological uh, uh, issues seem to come very easy to him. And I appreciate the time of study that he gives. And so it, it sharpens me. It sharpens Jojo. It sharpens the other pastors. And, 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 and so we influence one another. Uh, Ephesians 4. Did you know the word pastor is a unique word in all of the word of God? Did y'all know that? Pastor. Correct? Did you know it? You know how many times as prominent as this word is on your tongue? When you think about Hebrew First Assembly, I'll tell you what. I know this because this is what study shows. You think about Pastor Brown. Because after it takes five years for a pastor to become associated with the church in someone's thinking. And so since I've been the pastor of the church right at 20 years, when you think about First Assembly, you also think about Pastor Brown and now the other pastors that are part of our fellowship. So oddly enough, this, this, this common thought that we have, did you know the word pastor only appears one time in all the New Testament? It only appears one time, and it's even then it's not even elaborated upon. It's Ephesians 4.11, that when he ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men, and he gave apostles and prophets and pastors or evangelists and pastors and teachers. And that's the only time that it is actually translated. Now, in the original language, the word poemine, or I can't pronounce it accurately, uh, is actually 15 times, additional times it appears in the New Testament Greek, and it's translated shepherd every time. But never in the context of ministry. It's always in, the, in a real shepherd, like which was watching the flock in the field by night, or Jesus being the good shepherd, correct? So with this, I, I often, there, there comes alongside this a saying about, Pastor, there's a point here for just a moment. The apostle here in the book of Hebrews says, Obey those who have the rule over you, for they watch for your souls. And if somebody's going to watch for your soul, there needs to have some measure of vested responsibility and possibly also vested uh, authority to do so. So it comes alongside it. Then it takes you a little bit farther into some other terms. And, and so you have the pastor. That's become common. I don't know why there was a transition away from other words that were used to describe the offices that simply uh, give oversight to the church. Historically, it was not necessarily pastor. It was elder first. 
So if you'll read the New Testament, you'll find the term elder repeated more than one occasion, many times over, elder, elder, elders, with the plurality. And that simply means in the original language, it means somebody, again, that presides over a Christian assembly. And then there are those that feel like that I shouldn't be called Pastor Brown or Elder Brown. And I told someone to, uh, last week, I told Jace, I said, you're not calling me Elder Lee. It's not happening. That's funny right there. I don't care where you're from. But then the, some feel Bishop. Especially, I'll say this very respectfully, going back to the Catholic Church, then that was the term that was most often used. And then in the Pentecostal culture of the black communities, bishop is very common. And it often uses that term to, de to distinguish from other what they call uh, lay pastors or uh, from staff pastors. And that word bishop does appear in the King James English of the Bible six different times. It's episkopos in the Greek, and it means a superintendent, a guardian, and an overseer of Christian church. And so... Why am I doing all this? Stay with me for a moment because I want to get to the place where we recognize that there's an attack on women in our culture today that's coming. Now, in the latter few, two, several years, it's been an attack on men. But I'm telling Christian women are going to have a target on their backs in the days ahead. And it's our responsibility is to rally around and also to encourage and to watch for their souls. I'm just telling you, I'm being honest. And so many believe the pastor, elder, or bishop to be one in the same office. And according to many, the office of a bishop is reserved for men. That's what some believe. The Assemblies of God does not believe that. The Assemblies of God believe. Now, again, I'm saying you may not all agree with that particular perspective. And I'm going to be honest. I don't fully embrace all of it myself. Because remember, Pastor Brown's a sexist. Hopefully in a semi-sanctified kind of way. Some believe that, again, women can serve in all areas of church ministry, but others do not. They believe they can serve in some areas except for the bishop, the pastor, and the possibly the deacon. But they can still minister the word, and they can still minister spiritual gifts. And you say, well, pastor, which one are you? I'd probably be a little closer to the latter than to the former. That's me personally, not the assemblies of God. I can have an opinion. Right? Just because I got a card in my wallet that says ordained AG doesn't mean I can't have an opinion. Come on, somebody. Amen? So, now, where am I going with this? Stay with me. I'm, you know, what was the guy, Bob? What was his name? Bob Ross. Oh, Bob. There are times you'd be like, what's he doing? You know, I've got to put a little tree right there and then right there. So, I know right now you're like, the, the image is really murky. If you'll stay with me, it's going to be clear here in just a few minutes of time. So, so uh, let's go back to the big question. The question was, what about women in ministry? I wrote it again. How do we empower women for ministry service? Well, at the same time, if we are to maintain some type of balance with what could be the, 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 uh, some discern that to be a prohibition of women in ministry or a limiting of women in ministry, what do we do with all of that? I, I kind of arrived at a place of conclusion in my heart, and I said, wait a minute. we got to ask the one that penned it, the Apostle Paul we got to say, if we're going to understand something that is, is so controversial as where he said women are to be silent in the church, we got to ask him, well, wait a minute. Well, how do we apply that? What does that mean? What's it doing for us here today? And so I arrived at a place where I believe that this is the key scripture to understand Paul's teaching about women in ministry that is controversial and it's been controversial for 2,000 years and when I conclude today and when you go home and we finish the time of prayer whatever the end of this service is going to look like we will not have forever settled this issue 
But let me say this. I believe that here's the key. Ready? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Remember, one of the prohibitions was in 1 Timothy, the first epistle to Timothy, chapter 2. But now the second epistle to Timothy, who is noted as the bishop of Ephesus, representing the apostolic ministry. So 2 Timothy chapter number 3 says this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All Scripture. So let me just go ahead and tell you, even controversial subjects, sometimes you have to look at that controversial text, but then you got to back up, and you got to say, but what does all Scripture have to say? What does the Scripture say in direct uh, or indirect about this very controversial subject? So let's pick it up just for a minute. Was Paul a sexist to the degree that he devalued women, where he didn't respect them, where he didn't esteem them or honor them, or he would have even reproved Peter for uh, Peter telling men to honor their wives? Would Paul have had that type of demeanor? Well, let's ask a couple, let's go to a couple of texts real quickly. I noted the other night uh, on Wednesday night about a couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila. They're noted in the book of Acts, Aquila and Priscilla. But then later in Paul's writings, after he writes, he actually changes it from Aquila and Priscilla to Priscilla and Aquila. But that's not who I want to talk about. He also, in another passage, he spoke of a woman by the name of Mary. And when he spoke of Mary, here's what he said about Mary. He said, she bestowed much labor on us. She helped us in our ministry is what he said. And then, but here's one that we've noted in the past we noted Wednesday and then I'm going to also take you to one other passage real quickly but it was a woman by the name of Phoebe let's put her on the screen for just a second I commend unto you the Apostle Paul Jace brought clarity to us that it is believed by most commentators that this woman carried the letter to the church at Rome the letter that gives us the Roman road to salvation, the letter that tells you that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that you shall be saved, was very possibly entrusted to this woman, Phoebe. She's our sister. She's a servant. The word servant there in the original language is deacon. Some translate it deaconess. Uh, to put some type of uh, feminine uh, nature to it, but in the actual original language, it's actually not. The servant or deacon of the church, which is at Sincrea, I, I think it is, and it, it says that you receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she has need of for you, for she hath been a helper of many and of myself also. So for a moment there, when you look at Paul's writings in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, and then also in 1 Corinthians, you'd seen that there's almost like a total prohibition of women being involved in the church and in ministry. But then you've got to balance that. Are y'all out there today? You've got to balance it and say, and I want you to receive. He told the church to receive her for whatever business she's got need of because she's helped many of us in our apostolic calling. Are y'all out there today? Listen, we need folks to watch for your soul. Right? Are y'all, stay with me. We're getting somewhere here in just a moment. Philippians 4 and 3 writes about two other women. We'll put that on there. It says, and I treat thee also true, yoke fellow. He said that, the, that you help those women which have labored with me in the gospel. 
He said, you have labored with me in the gospel. So the apostle here, obviously then, to bring balance, all scripture brings a little bit of clarity. I think it's right. Yes, look deeply. 1 Timothy 2, 1 Corinthians 14, ask hard questions. That's fine. I think there has to be a cultural context. Paul's addressing some things, disruptions, bringing about perhaps dishonoring men. That's all. I understand all of that. But you've got to take a step back and say, but what does he say in other passages? How's he relating to others to get the fullest detail of it? Because I'm telling you, we're going to need men and women, but we're going to especially need some to help watch for the souls of women in the days ahead. We're going to need, because there are challenges going to come unlike they have ever seen in their lifetime. When I go a little bit farther in the Word of God, I read this about Jesus, and we noted this on Wednesday night. Did you know that when Jesus' apostles were hiding behind closed doors for fear of the Jews, he sent a woman to knock on the door and say, you mighty men inside there, who are hiding and afraid to come out, us girls have been to the tomb. And we found the stone rolled away. Come on, somebody. And we've met an angel. And the angel said he's not here, but he's risen as he said he would. And Mary made the journey twice. And when she came back the second time, she said, I didn't just see the angel, but I saw him whom my soul loves. And he said, Peter, he wants to meet you in Galilee. So I know sometimes the church might try to restrict us, but God said, I'm going to use you. Let's go a little. I love this verse right here, Luke chapter number 8, verse number 1 and 3. And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women which have been healed of evil. This is what will happen to you when your life is radically changed by the one who died for you on the tree. You'll be healed of evil spirits, attitudes, and spirits that will set upon you anxieties and fears. Are you out there today? Can be, you can be delivered by the mighty power of God. Because let me tell you today, the same power that rebuked the seven devils out of Mary Magdalene will rebuke that spirit off of you in Jesus' name. And you too can be free. And listen, listen, when you get set free, look what happens real quick with the third verse. And Joanna, the wife of Chuzah, Herod, Stewart, and Susanna, and many others, and they ministered unto him. And they ministered unto him. Isn't that powerful? That's a beautiful thing to see what can happen when a life is radically changed by the power of God. Stay with me because I'm adding a little bit more to the portrait here. So I got to thinking about that for a moment. And Paul's the one that said such harsh words that we could interpret if we're not carefully in the wrong, uh, in the wrong lens to the degree that women suddenly feel shackled and they feel limited and they feel restrained and they don't feel valued. I tell you what, man has done that to women for 5,000 years, 6,000 years. But Jesus came along, right, to set men and women free and to value one another in love. Come on, somebody. And to respect and for us men folk to have enough masculinity about us to say, I recognize the women in my life. I give them honor in Jesus' name. Oh, man, I'm preaching better than you are shouting today. Hmm. And all the women ought to at least say Amen. Come on, somebody. In the old covenant, it is true that women did not serve in the priesthood. Did y'all know that? But they served in the kingdom. Let me say that again. I didn't get that out of anybody's book. I made that up myself. It is true that women did not serve in the priesthood, but they did serve in the kingdom. I'm going to close in one just a moment to tell you about it. I've got to go there because you know what? I'll tell you what. When I look back last week, I thought, 
Man, we had a powerful day in the Lord. The presence of the Lord was here last Sunday. The only negative, I allowed the flower. I thank God to be able to give the flower. I do, I do, I, because it's a simple act. It's, it, it blossomed this week. It was closed up through when I gave it to you. I'm sure some of you went out there and said, wow, Pastor Brennan, you gave us the cheap flower this year. It was it picked a little early. It was like a strawberry. She had to put it out in the sunlight just a little bit. Sherry put some in water because there was four or five left over, and she took them home. And they're more beautiful today than they were last week, but that's a reflection of your life. Right? And so the flower's a big thing to me. It's a small thing, but it's a big thing. But at the same time, man, I tell you what, I was ready to lay hands on folks and just say, God, let the Spirit of God, because God, there is a word. We're watching for your soul. Right? We're watching for your soul. Did you know Miriam? Did you know? I love this family. I hope your family's like this. Moses was a patriarch. His brother Aaron was the priest. But his sister Miriam was a prophetess. Did y'all know that? Did you know Deborah? Who, the Bible says that she judged Israel. I mean, the author, remember all scripture. If we're going to validate women for just a little bit of time here today, and you say, one of the things that I try to make sure I do, you say, Pastor, are you doing this today because of the culture where we almost today, it's almost like we have got to is it, 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 emasculate, is that what, men? And, and, and in order for us to uh, lift up women, I don't think it should be that way. Actually, it should be men giving honor according to the word of God because we're called to do so through the anointing that's on our lives. To be blessed, to be a blessing. And so with this, I found this passage here in the book of Judges chapter 5. And this is where the actual text comes from. And it's used one more time in a moment. We'll see it in closing. But look at Judges 5 verses 6 to 7. This is Deborah's own song after the victory where uh, Barak goes out and fights the battle. But Deborah, it was through her leadership and through the wisdom that God gave her, she sings this song. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Enath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied because there was so much fear. I tell you what, that's almost like the day that we're living in today. I can't imagine living in a metropolitan city in the United States today. Can you? No, that's why you live here on purpose here in the hill country of North Central Arkansas because if you go to other places, it's a dangerous time. Verse number seven, she said, that's how it was until, that's how it was until I, Deborah, arose because I arose a mother in Israel. Stay with me for just a moment. So there was a prophetic gifting upon Deborah that God used her to help judge Israel. And so there was a contention between Barak or Deborah, but actually there was cohesion. And one's gift encouraged the gift of the other. Deborah wasn't a military uh, leader, but she was a prophetess that she spoke the prophetic word. And Barak went out and fought the war. Isaiah's wife was called a prophetess. I mentioned this sister on, on Wednesday. And, and she's often overlooked, and I'm getting too close to the end in a moment. I'm going to close with this in just a moment. But Hulda's a pretty cool lady, just to be honest. We don't know much about Hulda. We don't name our children, I don't think, Hulda today. But they did in that time. And so with this, though, this was in a very unique time in the history of the land of Israel. And i got two that I'm closing on today. Because I, I just believe let Scripture interpret it Scripture. I believe that if we're going to understand such really complex subjects you got to just look more than just at that text. But Paul himself said all Scripture. So if I really want to know fully what he's saying, then the Scriptures complement one another. They don't contradict with one another. 
And so as you look closer at it, you'll see maybe there were some, some ladies that need to be silent. Maybe because their life wasn't sanctified. Maybe they weren't mothers in Israel as of yet. But when you've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and you got a word in your heart, then maybe some mothers in Israel can rise among us, glory to God. And so with this, Huldah was very unique because this is a time, it's a difficult time in the history of the nation of Israel. It's when Josiah the king, a young man, 16 years of age, is placed on the throne. And after about eight years, he gets a burden in his heart for reformation. I hope I'm not wearing you away. And he starts a massive reformation. They start cleaning the house of God because for 55 years before, his grandfather, Manasseh, had polluted the house and polluted the temple. Did you know they had burned incense to false gods for 50-something years in the house of God until a whole culture of people didn't even know anything about God. And you know what? In the midst of cleaning the temple, you know what they found? Somebody said, we found a letter. We don't even know what it is. And the, so the priest found it and gave it to the scribe. And the scribe said, I, I heard about this. They used to tell stories about it. I think that's the law of Moses. And the scribe reads it to the king and when the king hears the words, he tears his clothes. It's so sharp and so piercing to his heart. And he said, I don't understand what we need to do. And you know what he did? He said, he just what he did. And I'm not going to probably put this on the screen for the sake of time. He simply said, take this book and take it to the prophetess Huldah and inquire on my behalf what that means. And Huldah's exhortation to Josiah Help bring the kingdom in revival. Are y'all out there today? Don't tell me we don't need some mothers in Israel in the time in which we live. We live in a tumultuous time. Come on, somebody. We need to, I'm, t I, I'm not trying to be prophetic, but I'm being prophetic. Things are going to happen. We better be prepared to, to encourage one another at a level we've never seen before. Let me go on before I close. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Mary prophesied as well. Anna, the prophetess in the temple, prophesied of Christ. I got to tell you about one other lady to close. The promise of Joel fulfilled on Pentecost was that your sons and your, come on, that's who we are. Some people don't believe that, but that's who we are. Your sons and your daughters are going to do what? They're going to prophesy, right? Old men are going to dream dreams, and young men are going to see visions, and on my handmaidens, I got a little singing preacher locked up in me. Y'all didn't know I can't sing very well, but I got him locked up in there, right? And on my handmaidens and on my servants, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy. That's what's awesome about the generation in which we live. God doesn't say, I'm going to divide you according to gender and you get the anointing and you don't get the anointing. I believe you can have an anointing. You can be the most masculine man under the sound of my voice with a beard longer than Shane's and chest hair protruding out of your shirt and about to go turkey hunting in Nebraska. I don't know, be masculine and the anointing of God can come upon you. But you can be the most feminine woman among us and you're so petite and you're so polite and your voice is so calm and it's so assuring and the spirit of the living God can settle upon you and fill you under overflowing by the power of the Holy Spirit because God said you're all my children male and female and I'm going to put my spirit upon you all I thank God for that today and we need that in the generation I thank God I'm a part of a Pentecostal charismatic church and we are unashamed of it today amen I got to tell you about one more I got to tell you about this girl here I just felt in my spirit this would be good and it is good. 
It is good. Because you got to know what you believe. And you got to be prepared to defend it to the mark that's about to come upon the ladies in the culture in which we're dwelling in the United States. And we're going to need men to rally around some women folk. And we're going to need some women folk to rally around other women. Are y'all out there today? I'll tell you about another lady for just a minute. It's a unique time in the history of Israel. So David has just survived the rebellion of Absalom. I'll even take the glasses off on this. And I might put, I think they'll put a couple verses on the screen when I get ready for I'm not ready for. David, does anybody know the text, David survives? Are y'all out there today? I had to pray. I told Sister Sherry yesterday, I said, it's going to be a tough one. I told Jace this in the office a moment ago. I said, I got a unique message. I said, because I'm going to talk about church government. That's real exciting. <laughs> I want to talk about controversial issues of, that sometimes divides men and women. That'll get you into early retirement right there. <laughs> Are y'all out there? And, and, and yet, at the same time, I, gotta, I want to bring a message that, that is empowering to women, but I don't want to look like I'm doing it in response to, to the culture, right? Because I'm telling you, that's not who Pastor Brown is. I can guarantee you that one right there. And, 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 I'm, and I'm doing it, though, with I hope with the purest of heart because I, I love the Word of God. I love the dialogue that we had because it forced me to go back and study and read, and I found myself thinking and meditating, not about sports, but I got to meditate upon the Word, and then it lifts my spirit. And, and so I, I, I said, Sherry, Sister Sherry, I said, I don't know. I think, I think I'm going to come out of this okay. And y'all have to give me a grade later, but I'm about to wrap up at the end because I'm, here we are. we got two texts of Scripture that has divided the church to a degree for 2,000 years about the, the value maybe, but perhaps the role of women in ministry. But then I arrived at a place where I said, yes, look at those verses, glean from them what we can glean from them, but take what Paul said in another passage, all Scripture. All Scripture, the way that this was used, the way that God related. Watch the history. Watch the voice. You have to factor that in. Paul said women should be silent, but throughout the history of the kingdom of God, Women rose up and spoke up when they needed to. Come on, somebody. And they did so by the anointing of God. And sometimes they preserve life. So let's go back to David to close the message off real quickly. As David, though, at this particular time, he has survived the most terrible time in his life. That was the rebellion of Absalom. Anybody remember that? The rebellion of Absalom. He makes his way back to the city. His son is dead, deceased. His heart's broken. Uh, his, you know, there's been war in the camp. The nation's fragmented, but one, a man by the name of Sheba, the Bible says he's a son of Belial. You know what that means? You can add to it, but it's a, he's, a, he's of a demonic origin or nature. He's rebellious, and, and he breaks away. David's back on the throne, but you know what Sheba said? Sheba said, no way. David is not my king. We have no part in him. And he rallied a lot of people in Israel and almost divided the kingdom. And David knew what was happening, and David said, if we don't get him soon, he'll do us more damage than Absalom. So, so you go back and read it. It's in Second Chronicles, I think, chapter number 20, I think it is. And so David sends Joab. Word gets out, and Sheba goes on the run. So Sheba had a little bit of an army at a moment until word got out that Joab, the commander of David's army, is after him. So he begins to run from him. So you got to picture, you got to read it in the Word of God. 
He's going from here to there looking for a place to take refuge. And he finally finds refuge in a town, a walled city called Abel. Word gets back to Joab where he's at. And Joab brings an entire army. doesn't tell you the number of men, but it does tell you their warfare tactics. It's a city of Israel, but they don't care. The man inside that walled city is going to divide the nation. And so Joab gathers his whole army around the city, and they dig a pit or a trench around it so nobody can come out. And then, in the art of warfare in those days, they began to batter the walls of the city in order to break down and create a breach because they don't care. They'll destroy the whole city, the entire city, for the sake of that one man because if they don't, the kingdom's going to fragment. I mean, that's a critical moment. Are you all out there today? I'm telling you, that's why I think we're living in a heavy time in our generation. A heavy time. I think the political things that we have read about and we watch it on, on, on news, it's, it's going to go more than that. These are going to be reality, real issues that we're going to. It's one thing to sit in your living room and watch it on your favorite newscast. It's another thing when it's happening in your streets. Right? So it's a real issue. So that's why I can always glean something from this. And so finally, this is a moment where if somebody doesn't act soon, then this whole city is going to be destroyed. And the Bible says that a cry was made from inside the city. Joab, Joab, halt, halt, wait. And it's not the voice of the mayor. It's not the voice of the leader of the moose club. It's not the, it's not the synagogue leader. It's not a priest or a Levite, but it's a woman who her voice echoes across the top of the wall that they're throwing ropes over, getting ready to pull down. And she cries out. The Bible says that there's not really a face-to-face. And maybe she goes up to the top of the wall and she looks down because Joab comes near enough where her voice can speak with his voice. And she asks and she says, what's going on here? And he said, a man has taken refuge in the city and we're going to destroy this city. And she said, you know what? She tied herself to Deborah. She said, I am a woman who is a mother in Israel. And our city has always been peaceful. And she said, if you'll give me time, we'll throw his head over this wall. Now, I know that's gruesome. I know that that don't give you a flower and a picture on your Mother's Day wall. But the Bible says, can we put, did I tell you all any verses to put those last two perhaps? Put them, I want you to see that. And they came, let's go ahead, we'll have to read it on down. I think it's like, let's go to verse 20 and pick it up if we can for a moment. And then we'll follow it down. Joab answered and said, far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. I want you to read verse 21. The matter is not so, it's a man. Let's go to the 22nd verse. All right, there it is. Catch it right there. Go back to that. I'm sorry, Lori. And the woman said unto Joab, behold, his head is going to be thrown to thee over the wall. I could have entitled, no, I won't even go there. His head shall be thrown to thee over the wall. Verse 22, look at this. But here's what I wanted you to see. The woman that said by her own profession, connecting herself to Deborah, she said, I'm a mother in Israel. The Bible says that that woman went to who? To all the people. In what? Don't tell me we don't. That's why if you just look at what Paul said, Julie, to Timothy, it's almost like he said, well, we're not going to value women. But Paul said all scripture, all scripture. He He knows the text. All scripture. 
Yeah, maybe he did limit some that were contentious. Maybe he did limit some that were making a a fool of themselves. But he also is aware that God can use, come on somebody, women under the anointing of God. And the woman went unto the people in all her wisdom. And they cut that brother Sheba's head and tossed it over the wall, just like she said. And she saved her city by the wisdom that God gave her. Come on, somebody. Church family, I thank God. Mother's Day Part 2. A mother in Israel. We need men full of the Holy Ghost and power. But we need women full of the Holy Ghost and power. Filled with the power of God. Recognizing purpose in their life. And the call and the gifts of God in their heart and life. I hope and pray today that when you read controversial text in the Word of God, that it won't cause you to draw back, but it'll cause you to draw near. Are you hearing me today? Daryl, would you please, is it Daryl that's going to join me? Thank you so much, Brother Daryl, for coming up today. I don't know exactly how long I preached today, probably too long. But this was in my heart. I, I didn't intend, I sat down on Friday, and I was intended to preach next Sunday's message today. But there was just something unsettled in my heart. I said, I'm not finished. This subject's been so good. It's been so refreshing. It's been so renewing in our heart uh, 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 and study that I said, I, I don't believe the Lord is finished with it just yet. And I put it in this context. Can I say this so respectfully to you today? I'm telling you with what happens if Roe gets kicked back to the States. Christian women are going to be deemed the enemy. You're going to be deemed the enemy of an entire progressive woman of the world cultural view. And we need to watch for each other's soul. Isn't that right? And we want you, ma'am, to know what you believe and why you believe it. It's not time to play church anymore. I mean, this, that's why when we have a moment where the Spirit of God's moving, like it's preparing us. It's, for, it's causing us to be strong and to be equipped and to know what we believe and why we believe it in Jesus' name. Church is as important today, perhaps, than it has ever been in your life. Don't neglect it. Join to it. Add to it. I thank God today. Mothers in Israel. I love that phrase. Mothers in Israel. I thank God for the work of the Holy Spirit. I thank God for men and women whose gifts are evident among us. I thank God for their callings. I thank God whether they have worked with children or other ladies or whether they spoke a prophetic word, whether they've ministered a word. I just thank God because the body is stronger and healthier and we're more whole. We're more whole. Let's let our heads be bowed and our eyes closed. Let's pray for a minute. Let's pray. Spirit of God, thank God for your presence today. Thank God for your anointing. Thank God for the call of God. Thank God. Ladies, I feel led to do something. If you'll let me do so, I'll, I'll do it. Now, if you, if you don't, I hope you forgive me. But I, I know that when, when, last week... Last week as I ministered to the ladies on Mother's Day, I didn't make it about motherhood. I made it about womanhood. I don't make it about you being a wife here today or a mother to your children. I just simply make it to you as a female, part of God's kingdom, gender assigned at birth, 
even before, because God knew you in the womb. Come on, somebody. Are y'all out there today? And, 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 and I value and I honor you for who you are. Not for what you do or what you've done. Not for a career or anything. Just simply for who you are. For who you are. For the gift that you are to our church, to your community, to our family, to your family. And I just want to pray, if I can, the old days they call it a hedge of protection. I want to ask today, ladies, if you'll, if you'll please allow me to do this. I would like to see if the ladies would just kind of come together in a group across the altar and let the men folk of this church just kind of surround them on the, on the outer rim. And just, we're just going to pray over you. We're just going to pray over you. This isn't about a flower today. This is about an anointing. Come on, somebody. It's about an anointing. It's about an anointing today in the name. And I don't, I don't want you to be, uh, you say, well, Pastor, I don't have my spouse with me today or something like that, or I'm a widow. It's not about, it's, uh, Jesus is your spouse, and he is your father today. Come on. I'm not trying to be anything to you other than what I hope God wants me to be, and that is, the Bible says to recognize those who rule over you, if you want to use that word the right way, but then you balance what Peter said to rule over you. He said, we don't do it by... Uh, constraint and we don't do it in a malicious way we do it to watch for your soul that's fair isn't it Daniel we watch for the souls we watch for your souls come on men folk would y'all begin to pray right now around these precious women of God father we pray over these precious women of God we pray over them today in the name of Jesus I feel the spirit of the Lord God today to be upon us I feel the Spirit of God to be upon the ladies of this fellowship, God. I pray, Father, for callings and giftings and anointings, God. I pray for the word of faith, God, today. The Spirit of the Lord to be present upon them, God. Come on, church family. I want to ask you to just begin to just pray. Ladies, you pray. As the men, men, would you pray? Uh, why is your voice not heard, man? Why are we not hearing you in the background? Why is it somebody saying, I'm going to stand between the mothers and the sisters of this fellowship, and I'm going to pray for the anointing of God. I'm going to pray that God's going to keep them, God's going to protect them, and God's going to use them. Come on, somebody, in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of the living God. Father, be upon the ladies of our fellowship, God. Father, in Jesus' name, and all their gifts and their callings, the anointings, the younger, the elders, God, in Jesus' name, those that are on the platform, those that are in private, that no one sees their gifts. Father God, but you do, God. You see what they do, who they are, the gift of the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord God. Ladies, I want you to know today you are the beloved of God. In Jesus' name, there's an anointing, there's a calling, there's a gifting, there's a preciousness here today. He's precious, you're precious, and we anoint, I'm anointing as many as will let me with oil. Just a quick, it's just brief, it's just an anointing today in the name of Jesus. I'm going to reach all the way past your sister Pam right there and to Miss Bakel in Jesus' name. For the Spirit of God, I feel Jesus in here today, don't you, ladies? I feel him today. Let him come over you. Let him come over. Let the Spirit of God, Sister Pat, the Spirit of God. The anointing, we need your voice, we need your gifting, we need your callings. We need the power of the Holy Spirit on you. In Jesus' name, there's an anointing that's present, a real, authentic anointing of God. You're anointed for His call. You're anointed for the Spirit with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you, Christian, in Jesus' name. The Spirit of God's on you. In the, in the name of Jesus, I feel His presence on your life in a powerful way. God, today, Lord, I bless today these ladies. I, I just, when I'm coming through, ladies, don't let me be accidentally, but I'm just kind of coming to anoint these ladies here today in Jesus' name. Spirit of God. Men, I want to ask you to keep praying for a moment. 
I'm just anointing these ladies. I'm praying, God, would you protect them? Would you use them in a mighty way? Would you use them? They're mothers in Israel. Isn't that right, Diane? Mothers in Israel. Mothers in Israel whose voice makes a difference, that cities can be preserved because of the voice of the mothers of Israel, God. In the name of Jesus, God. In Jesus' name, the Spirit of the Lord, this, isn't that right? The Spirit of God. Stephanie, thanks for speaking up Wednesday night and sharing your perspective. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, the Spirit of God, the anointing of God. Father, I thank you for it. We, we just we embrace it today, God. Come on, men, folks. Shield them in prayer right now, if you would. If you would. I'm telling you what's coming. I'm telling you what's coming. There's a, there's a difficult moment that's coming. I'm going to step right here between you, if I can. Anoint these ladies. And just anoint these ladies with oil. I just want to call upon the name of the Lord, the Spirit of God. God's doing a work in your life, sister, in Jesus' name. It's real. It's authentic. And, and you've wrestled with this in the past. You've wrestled. There are some things you wanted to go closer. You wanted, but now you arrived at a moment where you said, this is it. This is my time, and I'm moving forward in God, in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, God, for bringing Jeannie, God, to our fellowship. God, back to our fellowship and renewed her, her faith and her calling and her giftings in Jesus' name. God, I thank for Sister Kathy, God, that, that it's not just Dr. B. Come on, somebody. But it's Dr. Brassfield and Sister Kathy and their, and their call and their anointing and their, and their, and their call to minister to, to, to pastors. God, I bless them today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Spirit of God today. Thank God for these ladies today. Thank God. Thank God for each one that's here today. Mothers in Israel. Come on, somebody. Mothers in Israel. The mothers in Israel that fight and defend the city. Come on. I feel the Spirit of God on that, Joe, don't you? You're a mother in Israel. You're a voice. It matters in the heavenlies. It matters. And you pull down strongholds. You bind demon spirits. And, and, and sometimes that role of an intercessor is overlooked because there's typically no title. This is the intercessor of our church or this is sister intercessor no it's something done in private it's done in the closet hours it's done uh, it's done uh, without much fanfare but it's it, but it's effectual it's effectual it, it creates an anointing See, Jace ministers on the platform on Sunday because that you uh, stood in defense of the enemy by your uh, intercession so that God's anointing could drip on his head and minister. So there's a value. There's a mother in Israel. It's Deborah working with Barak. Come on. I feel the Lord right there. It's Deborah working with Barak, and I, I believe God. Well, that's how we win the warfare. Isn't that right? That's how we win the war. Take Sister Judy to a new season in her life, God. A new season in her life, Lord, in the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God. I'm just anointing these ladies with oil. Church family, if y'all will give me a few more minutes, I just, I wanted to do this last week, and I, I didn't, but I just wanted to this week and just anoint today, and if I miss somebody, I'm going to come back to them in Jesus' name today. I'm going to just put right here beside you and come right here in Jesus' name. I'll come right back there in just a moment. Y'all don't let me forget. Spirit of the Lord today, God, I'm just anointing with oil. Father, we anoint with oil to set apart. We anoint with oil to preserve. We anoint with oil to recognize something of value. Something of value, something that's useful. Isn't that right? Useful, has a purpose, a distinct purpose for it in Jesus' name. A very distinct purpose. A call of God, an anointing of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. God, in Jesus' name, God, if I could do anything, I want to be gracious to the ladies that are in my life. I'm surrounded by sisters and mothers, God, and I want to honor each one of them, Father, 
in Jesus' name. Every single one, every single lady that I have the privilege opportunity to share as a pastor, God, I want to watch for their soul. Come on, men, would y'all help me for a moment more to watch for their soul? Y'all feel that today? We watch for each other's soul, don't we? We watch. We watch for their soul. Lord, we're praying that you're strengthening one another. Strengthen these ladies to be who you've called them to be. God, then let them, I pray, Father, not fall prey to, the, to this culture. Lisa, the anointing of God's always been on you. But I anoint Shannon with oil today in the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. God to rest. There's an anointing right here in this little group right here, Father. And so we just let it happen. We just let it happen, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Sister Peggy, for your call. Thank you, God, for your anointing in Jesus' name. Thank God for it today, Lord. Thank you for a heritage of faith. Isn't that right, Rita? A heritage of faith. Father, in Jesus' name, the genuine faith that was in you was first in your mother. It's in you. It's in your daughters. Come on, somebody, and it's in your granddaughters. Isn't that God's heritage? That's God's heritage of faith in Jesus' name. So, God, we thank you for it, God, today. We thank you for that gifting, that calling in the name of the Lord. God, we rally, don't we? Don't we, Daniel? We come on, you stay, you you lift, come on, you show them. Let, let, let your mother and your wife know that there's a there's one that's that's joining his faith. I join my faith with Daniel's, and we come together in the name of Jesus or the Spirit of the Living God, the Spirit of God, Father. God, to, to be upon his mother and his wife, Father, and the Spirit of God to be on their hearts, to fill them unto overflowing, to be who God's called. Them to be. Who else did I miss today? I want to slip right there. I want those ladies right there. Get right there. In the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord. Sister, thank you for being here today. The Spirit of God brought you to this house. I, I recognize you today. I recognize who you are, and I pray, God, today that you're working. Holy Spirit, you're working. Holy Spirit, you're working. Holy Spirit, you're working. This is beyond me. This is you, God. This is you, Father. This is you. You do a work for your glory. You do a work for your glory, God. You do a work. You do a work, Father, in the name of Jesus. See, we watch for your soul. We watch for your soul. Not just me, but we. We watch for your soul. We care for you today in the name of Jesus. We care for you today in Jesus' name. We care for you today, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. I'm going to come back there to a couple more if I can to finish up. Then if I miss anyone, I'm going to come back to them because it's oh, we're, t we're called to anoint with oil, aren't we? Come on, we anoint Jeannie with oil today. We anoint Jeannie with oil in the name of Jesus. I anoint Sister Tina with oil today, God. And we just, we run to them. We, we aid them. Come on, men, folk. I feel you. Come on. Let them feel your prayer. Let them feel the strength of your prayer that says, I, I honor you today. I honor you for who you are. You're a mother in Israel. You're a mother in Israel today, God, in the name of Jesus. You're a mother in Israel. I thought y'all were hiding, didn't you? But y'all weren't. God, I bless today. Vicki, I bless Linda today, God. Whatever faith is inside me to bless them as moms, as grandmoms, as faithful members of this fellowship, as mothers, as mothers in Israel, as mothers in Israel. Come on. Can I cut behind y'all right here if I can? I'm so sorry. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of God. Now let me pray. Is anyone else? Did I miss anyone that right there today? Right there. I'm going to go right back there. Come on. Hey, we're going we're gonna to wait on everyone, aren't we? Ladies, the ladies are praying. What about the men folk?
God, the gift of God, the gift of God today. Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of God today. To be set apart, Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of God, Spirit of God. Hallelujah today. Come on, sir. Mothers are ministering to, to others right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah today. Ladies, I know that men might be bothered by this, but you typically aren't. If you don't care, put a hand on a lady's shoulder that's beside you. We'll pull ourselves together into the unity of faith. We pull ourselves into the unity of the faith. Some of you are homemakers. Some of you are in the workforce. Uh, some of you are in some really difficult situations in your life, but I'll tell you who you are. I'll tell you, you are called of God, you're anointed of God, the, you're the handmaid of the Lord, the Spirit of God is upon you, and even some of you are mothers in Israel. Not all are mothers in Israel yet, but how many believe they can become mothers in Israel? As they grow, as they mature, as they walk in wisdom, as they walk in, in the balance of, of being feminine, but also being assertive in the call of God, in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, today I bless every lady, God, whether they are young or older, Father, whether they are new to our fellowship, or whether they, Father God, have been in this church for 50 years, God, I bless them with all the faith that's in my heart. God, I'm going to pray that you strengthen them and that you use them. In the days ahead, God, we're going to need from this group of ladies, we're going to need their voice, we're going to need their calling, we're going to need their encouragement, we're going to need their spiritual gifts, their spiritual giftings, God, for the glory of God. Father, we're going to need one another in the days ahead. Father, the ladies, they can't be secret sisters anymore. They've got to be openly together, holding one another up in prayer, encouraging one another, calling one another in Jesus' name. God, I pray today, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, over this church family, these ladies, God, I pray over them today. I, I, I believe to a degree, I know of, the, of some measure of the conflict that's going to come. But God, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will protect your children. You will protect them, O oh God. Father, if I put oil on them, I'm going to ask, would you put a mark on them? Would you, put a, would you mark them in protection and you shield them and they won't give in, Father God, to the, to the, the enemy's uh, uh, glaring uh, and, and false accusations? They won't lose their joy. They won't succumb to pressure. They won't succumb to anxiety. They will shake it off in Jesus' name. Like Deborah of old, they will rise up and be mothers in Israel. Father, in the name of Jesus, they'll be warriors. They'll learn to fight. God, they'll fight in the spirit. They won't fight in the street. I'm telling you, ladies, there's blood coming to the streets. But your warfare is not in the streets. Your warfare is in the heavenlies, in Jesus' name. You're not, you can't win war in the streets, but you can win it in the heavenlies because you're anointed and you're called of God. And there's power in your words and there's power on your life because of the spirit of God. So wage your war. 
warfare carefully. Wage your warfare cautiously. You look to Deborah. You look to others who God gave wisdom and prophetic unctions. And you use yours in the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead. So, God, we gird up the loins of our understanding. And we shield. God, we trust you to be a shield about them today. And I've done all that I can do, Father, in the name of Jesus. I've blessed each one. I've poured oil. I've touched the head, I believe, of every lady or even young girl that's present in a very respectful way. Father God, I I have not criticized or chastened anyone. I have only, Father God, blessed and encouraged and hopefully comforted and strengthened God, Father, who they are and the call of God that's upon their lives. So I thank you. Paul said, the younger... Pastor Brown are your sisters, and the elders are your mothers, and I honor them today, God, and together we watch for their souls. Isn't that right? In Jesus' name, and all God's children said amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Thank you all so much, men and women. Thank you all so much for being in service, but especially the ladies. I didn't know it was going to be Mother's Day Part 2, but it was. Thank you so much for being here today. Be blessed.